Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to this. Welcome to Mission Driven You, which is a podcast focused on people who want to do well and do good in the world. You know, I was talking to somebody yesterday, a new friend, and they're like, what does that mean? Want to do good and want to do well in the world? The people listening to this podcast are people who recognize the need for a certain amount of resilience. Look, so many of us are entrepreneurs, multipreneurs, solopreneurs, some kind of preneur. We're, we're doing something that's that falls outside of the normal traditional corporate mold. And so we have to be, we have to do well. We have to be resilient. And I talked to too many young, particularly young entrepreneurs, but even people more in my generation who are who are saying like, I'm, I'm ready to go out and do something, but I'm not sure how to do it. And they haven't figured out how to do that thing resiliently. And so this is a podcast for people who want to make money doing what they're doing. They want to, or they want to make profit. They want to be resilient. They want to be able to do it sustainably, but they also want to do good in the world. The people who listen to this podcast are those who you know, want to, to quote one author, they, we want to be better ancestors in the world. And part of that involves change. So much, there is so much changing in our world. We are in the midst of current economic changes. We're in the middle, we're in the midst of generational changes. We're in the midst of what I talked about last, last week, which was the, the 500 year Delta. Like we're in the midst of literally a 500 year change. And the differentiator I find consistently, not just for myself, but for the people that I work with, the people that I coach, the, the, the individuals, the, the C-level executives at the companies where I consult, what makes for success is what I call change resilience. Resilience is a word that has sprung up over the last decade or so as maybe a better word than the word sustainability. So I've done some work in the environmental sustainability world. And, you know, we used to talk about sustainable and that has all kinds of problems. Resilience or um, another term you hear often is evergreen. Like, how do we stay evergreen, ever fresh? How do we stay resilient? And what I want to talk about today is something that is, this is one of my favorite topics. I'm going to just going to let you know. I love talking about this topic. It's the idea of change resilience. So the question is, how do we become change resilient? And I want to share part of my own story here because, you know, I got into my, I got into my fifties and I had gotten kind of used to doing things a certain way. I got confronted with some problems. And for me, if you know my story or if you've seen my TEDx talk, you know that my story is one of long-term recovery and overcoming addiction. So I had to figure out in my 50s how to start my life over again. It was really literally rebooting my life almost from the ground up. I had some really great underpinnings. I had a great partner and people who loved me, but I had to figure out how to reboot my life. So what I had to figure out, what I had to answer for myself is this question, am I change resilient? And I'm going to put a quiz in the show notes. This is a quiz that I use. It's 15 different questions that I use for my corporate clients to help them ask, answer the question of whether they're 
change resilience, but I think it relates to those of you that listen to this podcast. How do you know if you're change resilient? And so it's, like I said, it's 15 different questions, but the questions center around five key areas. First of all, this question of a growth mindset. If you're listening to this podcast and you have not read Carol Dweck's book, Mindset, I'm not sure why. <laughs> you need to read, go read Carol Dweck's book on mindset. From that book, we get the concept of a growth mindset. And it's really the question of whether you're open to continuous learning and personal development. You know, whether you see challenges as opportunities for growth or whether you have the opposite is a fixed mindset. And you'll see if you download the questions, you'll see this, but it's questions like, do you believe that you can develop your abilities at any age? And that's that's um, what I hope is one of my unique contributions to the marketplace. Oftentimes we hear people, sure, I can develop my abilities when I'm in my 20s or my 30s. But do you believe you can develop your abilities through dedication and hard work at any age? How do you view challenges? How do you view obstacles? Are they ways to get in your way and cause you to stop? That's a fixed mindset. Or are you are you looking at obstacles and challenges as opportunities to learn and grow? Do you embrace failure? This was a hard one for me, like the idea of embracing failure. Why would, why would I ever want to embrace failure? But do you embrace failure as a natural part of the learning process? So that's the idea of a growth mindset. And then the second thing is whether you're willing to embody the commitment for growth. And I mean, really, literally embody it. It's, are you able to feel a commitment to growth at any age, deep down in your bones, in your gut, in your soul, whatever metaphor makes sense for you? And are you dedicated and determined to expand your skills and knowledge? Are you actively pursuing avenues for improvement? You know, for, for me, I think that's part of the reason why I ended up getting to the place I was, was because... I always thought somebody else was going to do something to help me grow. <laughs> I call it in my coaching, I call it a lottery mentality. This idea that somehow, someday, somebody's going to do something. And when they do that something, everything's going to be, you're going to be able to grow. You're going to be able to reach those goals. But no, it's when we are committed to continually, continually learning and growing in our own life, when we're willing to embody it. When we take it, first of all, into our head, for those of you who have been through any of my coaching seminars, you know my four-step approach. We, we change by first thinking about it. We, we recognize it as a commitment in our head, but then we be the change. We bring it into our heart, and then we live the change through habits. We bring it into our gut. And so that's what I mean by embodying a commitment to growth. Are we willing to bring it into our head? our heart and our gut to the point where we are not just growing because we have to, <laughs> but we've embodied it and come to actually love it. Third, third question that you'll, you'll see if you take the, the quiz is this question of whether you're interested in fostering collaboration. The most successful people I know are people who collaborate. I mean, there are some exceptions. There's the Elon Musks of the world, but most successful people and particularly people who aren't successful, who are successful at their daily life. <laughs> so I'm not talking about becoming worth 200 and some billion dollars. I'm talking about 
getting through the day, the week, the month, the year successfully as a human. And becoming change resilient really means being willing to foster collaboration. Do you actively seek out collaboration? This podcast was actually originally called A Revolution of Interdependence, which is based on my TEDx talk, because I deeply believe in this idea of interdependence. And so becoming change resilience, resilient rather means fostering collaboration. It means embracing agility. And this, you know, a lot of the work that I do with corporate clients, corporate with companies involves helping them move to a new agile way of doing business. But what I have recognized now in 20 years of doing that work is that it only agile people can become agile businesses. And so the people who individually are able to embrace agility, to adapt swiftly to these navigating and changing uh, circumstances, are able to stay the course in times of uncertainty. And that's what we're in the middle of. We are in the middle of a time of uncertainty. And then fifth, embracing change resilience, and you'll see this if you, if you take the quizzes, involves leading through contribution. It's what I call contributorship. So often in this world, we think about leadership. We've If you're like me, you've read dozens of books on quote-unquote leadership. But what I realized is that change resilience involves leading through contribution. So often we want the world to change and we want other people to change it for us. <laughs> like Everything would be great if only they would, or if only that person would, or that group, or that government, or that company, or that whatever. And no, becoming change resilient, resilient means learning to lead through contribution. Why? Well, first of all, it means that we take personal ownership over the thing we want to change. But it also means that we are willing to inspire others through our meaningful contributions. And in that way, contributorship to me is far greater than leadership. Leadership is something that you can pick up in a book. Contributorship is something that takes your whole body. It takes your hands, your head, and your heart. Okay, great. So hopefully by now, I've gotten you excited about the idea of change, res change resilience. So now you're saying, great. Okay, well, how do, how do I do that? Well, I'm going to go through five strategies, and then I'm going to give you five tools for the five strategies for building change resilience, and then five tools for building change resilience. So. The first strategy is to completely embrace change as a mindset. And that's what, if you go back and you read Carol Dweck's book, or if you've read it, you recognize that that whole idea of growth mindset, that's the, that's the core of it. That's the nugget. The core of the growth mindset is the belief that challenges are opportunities. You cannot be change resilient, and you will not move forward and make contributions in the world if you are not able to embrace change. Now, for me and my story, I was kind of forced to embrace change. <laughs> the uh, There were certain governmental officials that didn't want me to keep driving the way I was driving and dealing, dealing I, I ended up having to deal with my substance abuse issues. But and in some ways, I've, I've often seen that as a great gift because I didn't have the choice. I mean, I guess I always had a choice. People who fall into these behaviors of addiction can often continue to behave that way. 
But I got to the point where I had to accept that I could not continue going on the way I was going. And I had to adopt this growth mindset to believe that these problems I was facing were not brought to me to make me worse. They were brought to me to make me better. This is a question. There's a question that I often ask my my clients, my coaching clients, when they're facing a particularly difficult problem. I ask them, what would that problem look like if you believed you were fundamentally good, the people around you, while sure, flawed and, and, and imperfect, but the people around you were trying to do their best and wanted good for you, at least as well as they knew how to do that. And the universe was aligned for your goodness. How would that problem look if you believed in the fundamental goodness of the universe, yourself, and the people around you? That's at the heart of this idea of accepting and, be, and developing a mindset for change. Because we, when we view the things that come into our life differently, then we can accept them and we can develop a growth mindset. You know, Viktor Frankl, who I quote often on this podcast, Viktor Frankl, he said, he said, the, the greatest human freedom is the ability to choose our attitude in any given situation. So strategy number one is, is embracing the mindset of growth. Strategy number two, developing emotional intelligence. And if you haven't read Lisa Feldman Barrett's book, um, How Emotions Are Made, I would recommend that. And certainly Daniel Goleman's book on emotional intelligence. But emotion, we could think of as energy in motion. Now, I know the root of the word emotion, and I know it's not quite that, but that's that's a metaphor that's always worked really well for me. Emotion is energy in motion. So as we move through difficult circumstances, which can often be things that we created. I mean, when we're looking to grow, look, when I uh, first started getting healthy and getting in the gym, that was hard. It's still hard. It's still hard today. But having the right emotional mindset and developing emotional intelligence allows us to recognize and manage our emotions during these times of great change. And frankly, energy, the energy we bring to something is related, going back to point number one, it's related to the attitude that we choose to have. And so developing emotional intelligence gives us this ability to manage and recognize, recognize and manage emotions during times of great change. One of the sayings that I use in my own life, it's something I borrowed from Gabby Bernstein, when craziness is happening around me, I, I remind myself that all of those things are happening around me. And I, in myself, am fully taken care of. Despite all the problems I've had, I've never gone a day hungry. I've never slept on the sidewalk. I've never... I'm well taken care of in the world. And when we recognize that, that's a way of getting at this idea of emotional intelligence. It's when we're able to use our emotions as a tool and not as a target, <laughs> not as targets coming back at us, when we're able to develop emotional intelligence and use it as a tool. My third strategy for building change resilience, though, and this is one I'm, I'm so focused on, and if you hear nothing else, hear this. Enhance your self-care. 
you know, as I was learning to grow and become change resilient, I carried with me a story that I needed to make sure everybody else was taken care of. I used to hate, you know, that analogy uh, people give about, you know, putting on your own air mask first. I used to hate that because my question was always, well, what about the people who can't put on their air mask? Like, how are they going to get helped? But here's what I keep realizing and what I've been growing in as I've become more change resilient is recognizing that self-care is the start of care for others. That self-care is the core of my ability to care for others. So what does that mean? Well, it means for me, following a set of daily routines, those routines involve hydrating, taking in nutrients. I take AG1 every morning. They're not a sponsor of the podcast, but I still take it every morning. It means getting to the gym three to four times a week. And none of those, it means um, intermittent fasting is a big part of my self-care. It also means meditation, spiritual practices, journaling. Not in a selfish way, like, "Mm, how can I grow? But in a way that, that recognizes that I can be more change resilient and I can be more of a calm in the eye of the storm if I'm doing the work myself on myself, if I am enhancing my self-care. If you haven't listened to Brandy Carlisle's song, The Eye, you can dance in the hurricane, but only if you're standing in the eye. Enhancing self-care is a way that we give ourselves the ability to stand in the eye of the storm when we prioritize our physical, our spiritual, and our mental well-being. And I'm going to be talking more about that in, in weeks to come. I've got a really great guest that I'm looking forward to sharing with you. It's a friend of mine who's written a fabulous book on trust. And as we enhance self-care, as we do that deep spiritual work, and frankly, even our physical work, because our, our physical well-being has a huge connection and correlation with our spiritual well-being. So when we enhance self-care, we are able to be more change resilient. The fourth strategy for building change resilience is learn. Learn, 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 learn. Always be learning. ABL. Seeking opportunities for personal and professional development. People look at the journey that I've been on over the last few years, and sometimes I share pictures, you know, what I looked like four years ago and what I look like now, or I share stories, what my life was like before, what happened and what I'm like now. And I'm like, wow. But for me, it's been a journey of learning. And I've had to be more discriminant about that lately because there's There's a tendency, particularly for those of us that hang out in the personal growth space, to always be learning and taking in too much information. But discriminately, as we seek opportunities for personal and professional development, we find the tools that allow us to become more change resilient. And then my fifth strategy, and this is also my jam, this is such an important part of my story. If you... I really want you to hear this, is to build a life team. You can call it a support network. You can call it whatever you want. My term for it is a life team. And here's the way to think about it. Let's say a corporation hires me to help them change their culture. And I go in and the uh, the CEO is uh, creating HR, you know, is hiring people. Or the CEO is, uh, you know, reviewing the legal strategies my question would be, well, you know, don't you have a 
chief human resource officer? Don't you have a chief legal officer? And, you know, if they're, if they're uh, looking over the technology schemas for a new building, my question would be, don't you have a CIO or a CTO? See, we recognize that in a corporation, we recognize that the best CEO has people around them that do things for them that they may or may not be able to do, but it's not their job to do. By contrast, rather, often we, <laughs> like as CEO of our own life, we think we're supposed to be good at everything. And that's just some grade A bullshit, man. That's just so, such a terrible idea. So one of the concepts I work with with my clients is the idea of building a life team. And a life team is, if you think about yourself as the CEO of your own life, ask yourself what else you need. And you know, earlier I talked about leading through contribution as a key way towards change resilience. And this is an example of it. So look around you and ask, who are the five to six people that make up your life team? Because they can be mentors, they can be coaches, they can be colleagues, but they're people that you share a life strategy with. They're people that are helping you be the CEO of your life. And if you're not sure how to do that, I did some earlier podcasts on this. I'll uh, put it in the show notes, but I did some earlier podcasts on how to build a life team. So if you're interested, and you can just search how to build a life team through one of my previous episodes. So those are five strategies for becoming change resilient. How do you do it though? What, what, what are the, <laughs> this is, this is where the rubber always meets the road. Like, great. Well, those are big picture strategies. Thank you. Tell me, um, tell me how I do that. So I'm going to give you five quick tools and techniques for becoming more change resilient. So tool number one is cognitive reframing. The change resilience, I quoted Frankel, Victor Frankel earlier. You know, the idea that the greatest human freedom is the ability to choose our attitude in any given situation. That's an example of cognitive reframing, shifting our perspective and focusing on the positive aspects, not because of some kind of toxic positivity. And I hear that phrase sometimes as sort of a, an a argument against personal growth. Oh, they're just focused on toxic positivity. I'm going to tell you that I think toxic positivity is mostly bullshit. Uh, are there people who believe things that aren't true and people who believe things that they're not able to make true in their life? Yes, for sure. Um, and, and, you know, the idea of fake it till you make it, I realize can be a problem, but that's not what I'm suggesting here. What I'm suggesting here is reframing what is real. What is actually happening? I'm not talking about like creating things that aren't happening yet, although I'm a big believer in visualization, but I'm talking about seeing the things that are differently, like literally seeing the things differently that are already in your life. So reframing positively what comes your way. And I'll repeat the quest, the three questions I asked earlier, because it's, it's questions that have been really helpful for my clients and frankly, really helpful for me. What would this problem look like if I believed I was fundamentally good, the people around me were good, while flawed, imperfect, spiritually sick, but they're, 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 they're good, 
and the world is aligned for my goodness. That's an example of cognitive framing, reframing. So tool number one, cognitive reframing. How can you rethink what's already happening? Two, mindfulness and breath. I got to tell you, man, this was, if there was, if there was a game changer for me, it was mindfulness and breath work. And this can be as simple. There's a tool called Insight Timer, which I use, which reminds me three times a day to do five minutes of breath. It's simple. Just if you're not sure how to do breath work, you can start with the most basic breath work technique, which is box breathing. And if you're not sure how to do that, just go to YouTube and you'll find a great, a huge <laughs> litany of examples or of videos on how to do box breathing. But being mindful, which is which is a way, so cognitive reframing is what's happening in the head. Mindfulness and breath work is a way of helping your head start to talk to your heart and to your gut. Mindfulness takes you from the thinking, which happens in your head, to the being, which happens in your heart. So, so figuring out how to do breath work and how to be more mindful and there are plenty of examples of that, of that out there, but I'm also going to be doing some episodes of this coming up and have done some episodes in the past. The third is creating a vision for your life. It, you can think of it as goal setting. You can think of it as action planning. But for me, the way it makes the most sense is I create movie scripts. <laughs> so, so I have a movie of what my life is going to look like. At the end of 2025, I have a movie of what my life is going to look like at the end of 2023 this year. And I have a movie of what my life is going to look like at the end of this month. And so creating goals and, and, and figuring out what they look like. I talked earlier about embodying. How do you embody your goals? And then fourth, be communicative. There are so many tools now as I'm, as I'm preparing this, Facebook's or Meta's new Twitter competitor has just come out threads. But one of the best ways I have found to become change resilient is to let everybody else know what I'm trying to change. To tell on myself is one of the ways we, I, I often refer to it as. So I communicate often and openly during my times of change. And that also involves communicating with the people around me. It means being very open and transparent and authentic with the people around me. One of the great gifts of being a person in long-term recovery is there's always a group of people who are willing to share their story and share what they're going through. But being open and communicative and, tra and uh, transparent and authentic during these times of change is absolutely critical because um, sometimes you hear this in, in the world of recovery, but a, a secret shared is a secret cut in half. And when we, when we get these fears of change out of our mind, we cut them in half. And then fifth, a technique for becoming change resilient is to manage and schedule our time and to keep that as a commitment to ourself. One of the things I started doing probably two, two and a half years ago was I actually schedule my self-care into my calendar. So when I wake up in the morning, 
I don't actually look at my phone when I first wake up, but if I were to look at it, I would see that my my day is mapped out, including the self-care work that I'm going to do right at the beginning. And so one of the ways that we become more change resilient and we help ourselves manage the chaos is by scheduling all of our life. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to be able to control all of our life, but it means that we are giving prioritization to the things that we know are going to help our head, our heart, and our gut be all on board with the changes that we're trying to make. So hopefully those are some great tips and tricks for you. I'm so excited to share this topic on change resilience with you. Like I said, I'll put the uh, I'll put the quiz in the show notes so you can read that or you can download that and take a look at that. And I'm so delighted you joined me today. If you're interested in hearing more about this, you can always go to my website, willsampson.com and click on the contact me form. Don't worry, that's not going to put you on some mailing list and you're not going to get spammed by me. But if you're interested in learning more about this concept of change resilience, go ahead and go to the website and use the uh, contact me form to set up a time for us to talk. Thanks for tuning in today to Mission Driven You. I'm so delighted to share this journey with you and I'll see you again soon.